And MLM Rebel is a new breed of network marketer, smarter, truly independent, and free. MLM Rebels wage war against the soul-sucking corporate world and against network groups who would rather preserve doctrine than helping people get results. MLM Rebels recognize when the world changes and changes with it. MLM Rebels don't believe in duplicating things that no longer work and would rather work without a safety net than within the confines of one. MLM Rebels are only involved in opportunities that give everyone an equal playing field instead of a top-heavy one. We don't care about the sacred cows of MLM, we don't care about the industry, and we do not care about the way it's always been done. We care about people following their gut. We care about people being able to quit their jobs now. We care about people being with their family instead of their boss every day. We care about people being with their family instead of their team all day. We care about people living free. We believe a truly free networker has multiple streams of income. We believe a truly free networker's creativity isn't shackled by their company's contract. We believe a truly free network marketer actually knows how to market and that they run their business like a real business. MLM Rebels prioritize faith, family, business, sacrifice sacred cows, build their own empires, never rebel against each other, and change the world. MLM Rebels know they are not confined by doctrine, not stifled by the past, and know they are one business away. My name is Zach Spear, and welcome to MLM Rebels. Hey, what's going on, guys? Zach here. Welcome to another episode of MLM Rebels. Hopefully, you're having an amazing day. Today, I'm pumped to share with you uh, some information about selecting a network marketing company, or maybe you could even take this as a, uh, if if you've already selected a company, take this as a lesson with evaluating if the company that you're in is one that you want to you know stay within and, and things of that nature um, so please don't take any of this as like a, uh, hey this is why you should be in our company or anything like that like uh, hopefully at this point you don't even know I mean, you might not even know what company we're in and that's always our intention we want to help you no matter where you're at no matter what company you're in, we want to serve you at the highest level. Um, I just want to let you know the best things to look for when selecting a network marketing company, at least from my opinion. And, uh, and you know, each of the things I'm going to go over right now, I'm going to go over at a high level. I'm not going to dive in super deep because otherwise this episode could be extremely long, but I want to give you uh, some things to, to at least think about, and then maybe we can dive into some stuff at a deeper level. If that's uh, something that you'd be interested in, you can let us know um, uh, in the in the reviews below. So uh, first and foremost, um, if you're brand new to the show, if you're wondering what MLM Rebels is, it is a, uh, a line of thinking and a different way of doing things in this industry. And, you know, we believe in network marketing, but we don't believe in the way that people build it really. Um, at all. Well, now I shouldn't say that we don't believe in it at all <laughs> in the ways that people do most, most of it. We don't believe in hunting down your friends and family and losing friends over it. We don't believe in shoving stuff down people's throat. We don't believe in using ineffective marketing tactics in order to build your business. So we uh, use real marketing principles, u- real marketing principles from actual uh, other industries. Um, we owned a marketing agency in 20 different industries for a while, took what we learned there and applied it here, and then share those thoughts and strategies with you so that you can you know, have unlimited prospects and applicants coming in to join your business. You can sell your products uh, without begging anyone or trying to get your friends and family to do that stuff. Or anything like that. So that's just a little quick uh, rundown as to what MLM Rebels is and where this came from. And if there's a little bit of background noise, I apologize. I was trying to avoid uh, <laughs> trying to avoid this, but but uh, the guy that's on the backhoe driving by me is literally following me. So I'm trying to run run away right now. 
But anyway, if you found value in this podcast, do me a favor, leave a review and a rating down below. And if you do that, we're going to send you an amazing, amazing uh, gift, an incentive or a bribe to go ahead and do that. I'm going to give you a copy of one of our best performing funnels. And uh, we're going to give that to you if you leave a review and a rating down below. Also, if you'd like to join the free uh, private group, you can go to mlmsalesfunnels.com to join in that conversation and begin your education uh, in this way. So anyway, let's jump into the episode right now. Um, so the first thing that we want to look for uh, when selecting a network marketing company is the owners, okay? And specifically, what is their track record and what can we discern that their motivation is, okay? So for instance, you know, some, some network marketing companies are, uh, well, this is not totally aligned with this, but some are privately held, some are publicly held, and there's goods and bads to both. Just depends on what you want from your company. You know, a, uh, a publicly held company can be at the whim of what a board of investors wants to do with the company. In the on the exact other hand, on the on the other hand, a private company is at the whim of what the owners want to do, right? So you're always at the whim of something. It's just, do you want your business in the hands of the people at the top of or the owners of that company right now, or of a board of investors? Because they both think differently, right? So anyway, it's this thing about who the owners are and what is their track record. Do they have a history of running either previous companies or the current company that you're evaluating with success? Do they have a history of growth? Because one thing that you'll find is, I mean, I talk to a lot of people on the phone from other companies, um, people very high up, and the story is generally, if someone doesn't select this properly, I, I literally don't know how many people I've talked to that have built big businesses, six, seven figure incomes, and the company gets shut down. I talked to a guy the other day, he's done it two or three times, um, where he's built a six figure business in two other companies, and they both get shut down. Now, he's got two more right now, but still, I mean, that's, and he is really annoyed with that. And um, this, what I'm about to say is no reflection on him. I don't actually know what I'm, you know, I don't know what his situation was and why they get shut down, but sometimes they can't, like this can be avoided um, if the owners of the company have a proper track record, right? If they're running the company properly, because you put a bunch of work and you don't want the thing to shut down. And if it's not being operated effectively with solid financials, you know, you're going to have an issue. So I like to check out the owners. What's their track record? I also like to find out the company's finances. Are they profitable? I also want to dissect their comp plan. I'm going to get into the compensation plan in a moment here. Um, But one thing I want to mention about the comp plan that I don't want to forget is that I want to make sure the comp plan actually makes mathematical sense. Now, I'm not a mathematician. I can't evaluate it at the deepest level. But essentially, I want to make sure that the company doesn't pay out so much money that it goes out of business and pays over 100% commission. Does that make sense? So like, if a company brings in $500 million, but it's paying out $550 million, that's going to go out of business. So when some people tout their comp plan as being, you know, like the, like it pays more, more percentage than anyone, uh, like that's a good thing, right? And if they're doing it right, that's a good thing. Like our company, one of its claims to th- fame is that dollar, dollar for dollar, it pays out more per dollar than any other company out there. But one thing that they know when they wrote the comp plan is they have to be careful as to how much everyone, everything pays out. Because some companies will say, oh, I've got the biggest percentage that we pay out, right? 
and they pay out so much that the thing goes under. Does that make sense? So we're going to get into the comp plan in a moment here. I just wanted to kind of go off on that little sidetrack for a moment. Um, one thing I want to talk about, or the next thing I want to talk about, is the contract itself that you're signing. So when you sign up as a distributor, you're signing a contract. Um, and it is a binding contract, and if you breach it, you'll get kicked out. Now, obviously, there are exceptions, especially the bigger you are, things like that. But still, if you breach the contract, you know you could risk termination. So you know, you own a business, but the business is yourself. You're the entity. When you partner with a company, you're you're essentially a uh, fancy affiliate. Okay, hope I'm not shocking you by saying that, but you are like. I'm not, you're not taking anything away from your business, but like your business isn't your company. That's their business. Your business is you. You are using them as an affiliate to build a multi-layered commission structure based on products sold. So when you enter into a contract with them, you don't want to breach that contract unless you want to risk termination. Okay? So knowing that you're signing a contract, you've got to think about what you want. Now, there's a few things that I would look for in a contract particularly. Number one, I want to look at how much power I have. So meaning this, does the company have power to rewrite the compensation plan without my consent? The answer is yes. That's scary. Okay. There is, um, I'm not going to name names, but there are humongous companies with tons of distributors that some of their biggest, I mean, all the owners, but some of the biggest owners got their income cut in half because the company was private or excuse me, publicly held and the investors wanted more profit essentially for themselves. And at the, re, the complaint got rewritten and everyone's pay basically got cut in half. And clearly, I mean, that doesn't hurt you if you're making hundred bucks a year, but if you're making a couple million, that's a big, 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 big problem. And here's the thing. I used to... <laughs> Like, we all think, like, oh, that wouldn't happen to my company. My company's great, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. If it's not in writing, it could change at some point. And we all, tr- like, we if we get in because the owners are great now, that's good. But what if the owners change hand? What if they sell the company, right? If it's not in writing, it's scary. So can they change the compensation plan without my consent? Most companies can. The answer is yes, they can change it without your consent. And that is a very, very, very scary thing. Um, there are, uh, there's one company I'm aware of that me, that you're allowed to always uphold your original contract, assuming nothing from the federal, at the federal level has screwed, screwed things up. So, or mandated something. So what that means is, let's say the company rewrites the comp plan. You could say, I choose not to participate in that comp plan rewrite. You can basically keep an act, or you can uh, keep your original contract that you originally signed when you signed up, but everyone going forward would get the new one. There's only one company I know that does that, but um, this is something to definitely think about for sure. Another thing is, does the company you're with allow you to be more in more than one network marketing company? Now, uh, truthfully, I believe in focusing on one company. That's just me. We've got people on our team that have a, that have a couple, and that's totally cool. You know, we still love and appreciate them very, very much for being with us. We still support them at the highest level. Um, but to make it really big, like you got to, I believe you have to focus on one, um, like really big. You know, I've, I. At this point, maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just not connected enough, but I've never met anyone yet that is a seven-figure earner in multiple companies. I've met, I've met people that have six-figure businesses in multiple companies, but anyone that has crossed the seven-figure mark, I've never met anyone that's in multiple companies. Um, but anyway, 
side tangent. That's what I'm trying to say is if you want to be in multiple companies, make sure that the companies that you're in actually allow you to be in multiple companies. Otherwise, you could risk termination. Um, the last thing, and this is really important, especially if you're listening to this podcast, if you don't want to build the business by doing hotel meetings or all the traditional stupid stuff in network marketing, if you want to build your business intelligently, like what we talk about here in MLM Rebels with sales funnels, with real marketing systems and things, here's the scary truth, but it's true. A lot of MLM companies don't actually like some of the stuff that we that we talk about. Um, they don't like people doing things online. They don't like uh, certain marketing things. Uh, to them, the safest route is still belly to belly, friend to friend. Um, and you know, they actually have a lot of companies have things in their contracts that say, you know, you can't build, you can't basically do anything online. They're like totally totally against it and if they find it like they'll may give you a warning or two but again potential termination now i have found that most companies nowadays um are allowing some level of online marketing and there's ways to get around this by the way like i was originally in the most constricted network marketing company out there with the most constricted agreement out there. And I still had a way, I still found a way to get around the contract and still promote my business online. Um, uh, you, you essentially just don't promote the company. That's how you get around it. Um, so we can talk about that in another episode. But so there's ways to get around it no matter what you do. But you know, you got to be super careful if your contract says something about that. Okay, so you want to evaluate the contract. Next thing you want to do is evaluate the comp- evaluate the compensation plan. I've already talked about a few things. Make sure the thing, uh, make sure the company is making money. Because <laughs> if they are running, if they don't make money. Um, like no one's going to work there anymore. Number one, number two, the thing's going to run out of money, and you're going to be screwed. So make sure the thing is financially viable. Um, you might have to talk to a really big upline in order to find these answers out because they're not going to showcase this on their website. Um, but you want to find this stuff out. Is the company profitable? Does the comp plan actually make mathematical sense? Um, and if it does, there's a few things you want to look at. Number one is. Personally, I'm only involved in companies. I'm only involved in one company right now, but I've only I've only ever joined a company that has an unlimited comp plan. And I highly suggest you do the same. And here's the thing: most people are not in an unlimited plan. And it's it's so funny when I talk to them because they always tell me all the good stuff about their plan. And then as they're explaining their plan to me, they're like, "Oh yeah," and then it stops at six levels. I was like, "Okay, what happens after six? And like, well, it, and it's like. Well, you know, um, nothing there. But, you know, people can move out. And if they move out, people bump up. And I'm like, but, but what if they don't? Like, you tell me this thing stops after six in depth? And um, it's just, it's the way most plans are structured. There's limits in most plans. And I'm like, this is so funny to me. See, there's, this is the other side of the ditch. One side of the ditch is the company pays out so much that they loot, that they go out of business. The other side of the ditch is that the company is literally built. The owners literally built the company to distribute their product. They didn't build it to help people. They didn't build the network marketing company in order to give people an opportunity. They built it because they wanted to sell their product and they felt that the best way to do it was through a network marketing distributorship, a network marketing company, and they're trying to keep as much profit as possible, right? Um, so those are two very different mindsets. And if, you have, if you're have, you in a company where the mindset of the owners is how much profit can we keep 
you generally see that in the form of a comp plan that has limits on it, like big limits. Like this thing can only go so much in depth. You can only go so much in width, right? Those, those are humongous limits that are designed to give the owner the majority of the profit and you to build their business, essentially. Um, so, yeah, definitely look out for that. Another thing is tripwires. What do I mean by a tripwire? This is not a marketing tripwire. This is an actual tripwire in a comp plan, meaning there are things in the comp plan that are trying to keep you out of bonuses. So, like, you can achieve this bonus if you hit X rank, but if you're out of X rank for one month out of 24, you miss the bonus. That's called a tripwire. And um, those are not written the way I just said them. They're usually written a lot more pleasant. It's more like, you know... uh, I can't even recite it right now, but essentially it's saying something along the lines of if you miss one out of 12 months of qualification, you know, you don't get it. So, you know, representatives must be qualified for 12 out of 12 months at this rank to receive XYZ bonus. That means that if you miss one month, you're screwed. You can't make it up. That means if you have one bad month and then 11 months in a row that far exceeded what it would have been if you had 12 mediocre months, they don't care. The bonus isn't yours. That's called a tripwire. And uh, you want to make sure that your comp plan doesn't have tripwires in them. Um, uh, Another thing. So the next point is products. Um, Main thing right now I I want to talk about with products is are they actually competitive and will I sell outside the market? There's so, most, most MLM companies sell really overpriced products that are probably not that superior to what they could, people could buy in a store. Like, sure, yeah, I mean, before the internet, yeah, for sure. You know, MLM companies had really, really powerful products that were probably better than what you could buy in a store. Um, but that's because people didn't have access to everything else out there. You couldn't just go online and search for stuff. Now, the competition is so insane. Like, yeah, MLM companies' products, I believe, are probably some of the best quality stuff out there. But they're not the only quality stuff out there. Now people can go get quality stuff from other places and not pay the same price that MLM companies would charge. The reason our products in network marketing are so much more expensive is because you're trying to pay out, you know, seven, eight, ten layers, excuse me, of commission and so you got to pay out seven, ten people. Um, you can understand how these things are getting cranked up, like the, how the, the price is getting cranked up. So <clears throat> this is a balancing act, right? You want the you want the products to be well priced so that they're actually competitive in the market, but you also want to make money, right? So it's a balancing act, and it's one that there's no cut and dry line on this. You just got to decide, like, okay, I look at this product. Is this a fair price? Yes or no? Is it a fair price? Would I pay for this if I was a consumer? Is that a fair price? And then look at the pay that you get. You know, do I get some pay out of this? And is it is it is it good for me? And then you got to make sure that you're that the that the company's not paying too much so it doesn't go under, right? So you're balancing like two or three different things right here, um, and there's no perfect answer. It's just does it all make sense, right? Does it make the pass the common sense meter? Um, so are the products competitive? And lastly, and this is the last point I want to make, is passion. Are you passionate about the products and the comp plan, the owners, the contract? Do you have passion behind this? If you do, everything's going to be a lot easier. If you don't, everything's going to be a lot harder. So that's the last question. Is that's just that's a yes or no? Are you passionate about it? And um, 
you know, you're going to find your passion generally in one of the areas I just explained. If you've been screwed by companies in the past, you might get really passionate about the owners and the contract, right? You find a company that has great owners and a great contract in place, that's what you can be passionate about. If you're a health and wellness nut, like nut or health and wellness junkie, you might get really passionate about the products. That's okay. You don't need to be passionate about everything. But you have to make sure everything else that you're not passionate about actually makes sense. So when you're selecting a company, you have to have passion about at least one of the points I talked about, and the other points have to pass your common sense test. All right? And some of the stuff like evaluating a comp plan's mathematics, you might not be able to figure that out. It, like Just like I, I can generally tell if a plan is going to make, if a plan's going to work or not, and if it's good, but that's just because I've looked at a lot. That's not because I actually know how to do the math on a two million person distributorship. Um, so in that case, like you'll have to talk to probably some pretty big earners or some really smart people. But it's isn't it worth it? Like, how much would it suck if you spent the next five years building a multi six or seven figure income in a network marketing company, only to watch the thing collapse on you because the complaint actually doesn't produce a positive ROI for the owners? Like, wouldn't that suck? So do you think it's worth spending a little bit of time right now making sure that everything that you're doing is actually going to be rewarded? Wouldn't it suck to be so excited about this, this, this possibility? Like, you're partnered with really great people, right? I'm partnered with this amazing people. This is amazing. Um, blah, blah, blah. You get all excited. You start doing all this work. And you built this, you built this team of hundreds of people only to find out that the plan only pays to six layers in depth. Wouldn't that suck? And now you're making 50 grand, and you're like, well, holy crap, if this team was in another company, I'd be making 200 grand. But you don't want to leave your team because you already put a bunch of work in. That would kind of suck, right? So it's worth it to do this stuff now, to think about this stuff now. The last point I want to bring up that I actually didn't write down, but I want to, I, I, I kind of referenced it, is the people. Are you excited about the people? You know, I never thought this was a big deal until. I got into the industry at a deeper level. You know, I was exposed to network marketing, maybe like you were. I was just in my company. I was just in my team. And I thought things were done just a certain way. And I came from a team, my first company, my first team, I came from a team where um, everyone was really supportive. They really, really cared and helped each other. And that's the way I thought it always was. The training was there. The support was there. The people were amazing. And I loved my first team. I mean, I really did. Both upline and downline and crossline. I loved them. And um, still have good relationships with a lot of them today. I thought all, all companies were like that. Well, I've come to find out that they're not. Not even close. Some, not some, most of the companies out there in teams that you join, they don't. Like, number one, the people are usually okay, all right? The people, the quality of people are generally okay. But some things that they don't have is they don't have a desire to really help or they don't have the ability to really help, meaning they don't actually have a system of growth that you can follow, which as we talked about in a previous episode, which is why most people won't join your MLM, most people don't have a system of growth to follow, meaning they're like the people sign up in a company and they don't know what to do now. Like, it's just like, okay, go sell, go spam Facebook, go tell your friends to buy this stuff, go tell them to join. That's what they, that's the system of growth, <laughs> which is no system at all. So most people don't have a system of growth. And if you don't have a system of growth, guess what, guess what you can't do? You can't teach a system of growth. So now we've got a team where now you're entering into a team that isn't even a team. There's no help. 
there's no coaching. There is nothing at all. If any, at best, maybe there's some motivation, right? So there's motivation, maybe some personal development, but there's really no system. There's really no team. There's really no, you don't even know what to do next. And that's something that you definitely want to evaluate because I believe that is one of the most important aspects of, the, of, of all of this. I mean, if you don't have, if you're not partnering with good people that you like and care about, and they don't know what they're doing, and you can't learn from them, and you can't teach people because you know no one's ever taught you, or they're not helping you, man, it's gonna be a tough, tough hoe to row. And um, anyway, so evaluate the people. Is all making sense? All right, I know this was a pretty compact episode. A lot of information just got thrown at you. Um, so anyway. Uh, if this was helpful for you or you want me to dive into any of these aspects a little more in depth, let me know. Uh, I, I I had a few thoughts fire off as I was recording this, of uh, things that I actually missed. Um, so uh, there's a few parts of this like that I could have gone in more depth on for sure, but I uh, I didn't um, for time's sake because I forgot. So if you want me to dive into depth on any more, uh, any one of these subjects more, uh, you know, more, just leave a review and a rating down below. And in that in that review, just let me know what that is and we'll be happy to well anyway it was amazing spending time with all of you today and um appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you all soon and see you in the next episode thanks Thank <laughs> you.